After the sermon, let's sing together hymn 79. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount spans Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That sermon is preceded by a a very clear call by both John the Baptist and, and the Lord Jesus, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What Jesus Christ is saying is that to enter the kingdom of heaven and life in the kingdom of heaven is different than anything you used to know. It turns your life completely upside down. Kingdom living is very unique, very distinctive living. And if you go through the Sermon on the Mount, you see that. The things that Jesus says, for example, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. He says, if you call your brother an idiot, you're a murderer. If you look at a woman lustfully, you are an adulterer. He says, you have to love your enemies. He teaches us how to pray, and he says, you can address God as your father. He tells us not to worry, and instead of worrying day in and day out, we should give our time and our energy for the kingdom of God, serving him in the church and in this world. And Jesus Christ gives a dramatic description of what kingdom living is like. But all of that comes to an end at our text. Matthew 7, verse 13 to the end of the chapter, no longer describes kingdom living. Jesus Christ is saying, now is the time for decision. You have one of two choices. Not three, not four, not five. One of two. Choose well. Only one is the right way to go. The one is life. The other is death. Now, many people struggle with this. They find this, uh, this sentence one of the most challenging passages in Scripture because, f- quite frankly, Jesus Christ doesn't allow any wiggle room, no wishy-washiness, no fence-sitting, no shades of gray, one way or the other, life or death. It's not, it's not something new. When Israel was about to enter the promised land, a land where they would be confronted with paganism and materialism, through his servant Moses, God said very clearly, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Two possibilities, one choice, life or death. To show you just how serious our Lord Jesus Christ is here, and what a serious matter this is, a few verses later, after our text in verse 22, Jesus said that on the day of judgment, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? And then Jesus says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I am certain That if any one of us met somebody who was preaching Jesus Christ, had the ability to perform miracles and drive out demons, we would say, that person is in the kingdom of heaven for sure. Jesus says, no, they're not. I don't even know them. Away from me, evildoers. Quite frankly, you're going to the lake of fire. You're going to hell. 
Now, this is scary-sounding stuff, and it's not really a, a good practice to scare the wits out of people in sermons or let them go home depressed. But I do promise you that the message of our Lord Jesus Christ is not to threaten. It's not to scare the wits out of us, but to show us the clear and right path that will lead us straight to Him. We summarize our text in this way. Jesus Christ presents us with a clear choice of two roads where only one leads to life. We will see the distinction between what is wide and narrow, and then the clear call to spacious narrowness. I'll explain that when we get to it. So as we turn to our text, it's so important that we keep in mind the context. We have already said that Jesus Christ has been showing what life in the kingdom of heaven is, what it's like. In our text, he switches gears, and I mean that respectfully. I'm not going to talk about kingdom life anymore. We're going to talk about how you react to this. What is your decision? Yay or nay? Yes or no? And then he says in the opening of our text, enter through the narrow gate. We say, what gate? What is this narrow gate that Jesus is talking about? Well, he goes on to explain about a, a narrow gate and a wide gate, a narrow, a, a narrow road and a, a wide road. And he says of the wide road, it leads to destruction. Of the narrow one, it leads to life. You understand what that means, right? The wide road that leads to destruction leads to hell. The narrow road that leads to life is life everlasting in the new heaven and new earth. Now, at this point, probably you're anticipating a little bit more an explanation of what the, the wide and the, the narrow actually means. But in your mind, you might be saying, well, I've got this figured out. Anybody on that wide or easy road, that, that's unbelievers and pagans. And on the narrow road, that's Christians. You're dead wrong. And it could be the most fatal thought that you have in your life. On the wide and easy road are Christians. There may be elders and deacons, some ministers, Christian school teachers, people who sit in church every Sunday, people who are multi-generational Christians, walking on the wide, easy road to destruction. And we know that Jesus said that after our text in verse 22, when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What our Lord Jesus Christ is saying here is, wide is the gate, easy the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. The word that Jesus Christ uses in Greek, which the ESV translates as easy, in Greek it is platus, and you recognize the word plateau. Jesus says that the wide road is indeed wide open. It's like a plateau. There's room for everybody and for every matter of opinion and every lifestyle. This is the road where, you know, you, you follow the dictates of your own heart. Nobody's going to judge you. There's room for Jews. There's room for Muslims, Hindu, Christians, atheists. You follow your own heart, your own sinful, broken heart. Now, I think that most of us recognize that society around us, they're on that easy and 
wide road. They hate the Bible. They hate to be judged. They, want to, they, don't, they don't want to be told about marriage and divorce. They don't want to be told that you can't abort an unborn baby or, or euthanize, kill a, a, an elderly person. Our world wants easy life. Nobody judges you for what you think or how you act. You do whatever you want. And on that road, there are also Christians. There are those who say, Lord, Lord. There are those who are in church, but they are on that easy and wide road just as well. Their problem is they have not made that choice, which will utterly change their life. Now, these people on the easy and wide road, once in a while, they notice that little, that little narrow door. And they glance down it, and, and they can see a, a narrow road down there. And man alive, there are people crying. And there are people who are emptying their pockets and their back, backpacks and their hearts. People are crying. Uh, people are, are, are having to give up all kinds of things, and, and they recoil. I don't want to go through that gate, right? I, I don't want to go down that road where people look sad and, and broken. So even some Christians will back away from that, that, that vision of the, the narrow gate and the narrow way. They want to live a life that does not have all kinds of rigorous demands of the Word of God. These are people, brothers and sisters, who say, Lord, Lord, who cast out demons, who speak very eloquently of Jesus Christ, but they don't want to go through that narrow door and down that, that, that path. There are many examples in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ where he underlines the paradox. That means the, the contradiction between what people say and what they do. He had that ability to put his thumb on sore points of, of people whose lives were not consequent. Think of the rich young ruler. The, the rich young ruler, they came to Jesus and says, Jesus, I've kept all the commandments. Is there anything more that I, I, I should do? You know, any mother would be proud of this son, right? So good, so obedient. And Jesus says, man, where's your heart? In your heart, there's love of money and not love of God. That man turned, turned around and walked away. And you know where he went to? He went to that wise and easy road where no one will judge you. You can have your own opinion and live life the way you want to. In John 4, there's a Samaritan woman. Man, does she know her theology. She's the kind of woman in a woman's society who always has the answers. And she's challenging Jesus with theology about Jerusalem and so on. And then finally Jesus says, Woman, you are an adulterer. You can talk the talk, but you're not walking the walk. Another example is found in Luke 14, where Jesus warned prospective disciples to count the, the discipleship. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. You see what Jesus Christ is saying is you can live a highly moral lifestyle. You can know your theology inside out. You can want to be involved in all kinds of things in the kingdom and the church and still be on the wide and easy road that leads to destruction. And at this point, I just want to go gulp. If all these people can't make it, 
if they're all on the wise and easy road, who stands a chance? What chance does any one of us have? Well, Jesus continues and says, but narrow is the gate and, and hard the way that leads to life, and only a few find it. A few moments ago, we warned uh, against that false idea that we take that easy solution, the wide, easy way that's unbelievers and, and the, the, the narrow, hard way that's Christians. We said it's not that easy. There's more to it. But now it's possible that we make a second mistake. That we say, I, I think I get it. I, I think the, the reason that, that's, that all these people are in the wide road and some Christians as well is that they're not living a holy enough lifestyle. So the solution is that I say, I have to be more moral. I have to be more obedient to God's commandments. I, I got to do what he wants. If I'm more obedient, then I will get into the narrow gate and take the narrow way that leads to life everlasting. Jesus Christ will say, are you kidding? Didn't you read about that rich young ruler? He kept all those commandments of God. That was not the solution. It's not being more moral or keeping more commandments. And I, I recognize that at, at this point we might be struggling a little bit because, you know, the whole Sermon on the Mount has been on keeping the commandments of God, even in its really deep and intricate way. Like, you can't even call your brother an idiot because that would be murder. We also sang Psalm 1 together. When we sang Psalm 1 together, you know, we said, Blessed is the man who does not sit in the council of sinners. That's beautiful. But you know what? When I come to the end of Psalm 1, I say, well, that's really nice, you know that if you don't hang around with sinners and you're obedient to God, then you're walking in the right way. Problem is, I can't do it. As beautiful as Psalm 1 is, I said, that's not me. That's not me. I'm a sinner and I sin every day. That's why Psalm 1 is joined by Psalm 2. The two form an introduction to the entire book of Psalms. In Psalm 2, we read about God's Son coming into this world and crushing the oppressor, crushing the enemy. You see what Jesus Christ is saying in our text is the way to enter the narrow gate and to take the narrow way that, that leads to life is to experience and know me as your Lord and Savior. It's not more obedience. It's not that at all. It's believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you think, well, how in the world do you get that out of our text? Well, you know, it's the context of the entire Sermon on the Mount. How did the Sermon on the Mount start? It started with beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They will inherit the kingdom of God. What is it to be poor in spirit? It doesn't mean that I'm poor in the Holy Spirit. That's not what Jesus is saying. To be poor in spirit, that means I from my heart and from my spirit say, Oh God, I'm poor. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve you. I don't deserve anything at all. It's like that tax collector in the parable in, in Luke 18 who went to the temple, but he couldn't enter it. He couldn't look up into heaven. He beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He was poor in spirit. 
He said, Lord, I have nothing to offer you. It's only your grace that can save me. And Jesus says, and that's the man who went home justified. That, my brothers and sisters, is what our Lord Jesus Christ is talking about in our text. To find that narrow gate, to take the narrow road to life, is to say, I am a sinner. I need Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And that's why, if you look in that door, you'll see people crying. The reason they're crying is because of the sins that they have committed, how they have hurt their God. And if they're taking stuff out of their pockets and backpacks and out of their hearts, it's because they realize their lives need to change. You know, coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior dramatically changes your life, as the entire Sermon on the Mount makes makes out. But as soon as Jesus Christ finishes the Beatitudes, then he makes this amazing statement in chapter 5, verse 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And that's the answer for those who are poor in spirit. Now, Jesus is saying a lot there, but for our purposes this afternoon, we understand what Jesus is saying. The law and the prophets, that means the entire Old Testament. Whatever it promised, whatever it demanded, it's fulfilled in me. Because I kept the law in your place. And I paid for all your sins against the law. So whoever comes to me and believes in me, I will wash that person clean in my blood and cause that person to be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit to enter the kingdom of heaven and be able to give their lives to the praise and the glory of God. The door is narrow, but the door is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. As he said in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is so much different from what the rich young ruler said. Lord, look what I did. Or or look what, and after our text in verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not do this and that? Jesus says, you know what you're trying to do? You're You're coming with your own door. You want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you're taking your own door, installing it, and opening it, and say, Lord, look how good we are. Look what I have done. You can't come into the kingdom of heaven that way because we've got nothing to offer. You can't come with the door. There's not any door that would be good enough or, or big enough to let you in. The door is Jesus Christ. And the, the way is narrow because our Lord Jesus Christ entered the most narrow gap of all. Although he was the Son of God, he emptied himself and made himself nothing. He took our sins upon himself and he went to that to the cross where he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was like two massive boulders were crushing the very life out of our Lord Jesus Christ. His life was narrow. His life was constricted. To pay for our sins, that we might have the glorious liberty of our God. The door is narrow. Jesus fills that gap. And he pries it open that we may enter through faith. Through that that clear statement in our heart and with our mouth. Jesus is my all in all. I believe. 
that he died for my sins. I believe that he is my Savior. And it's at that moment, also, brothers and sisters, that, that life starts to change. It doesn't change before you enter the kingdom. It's not that you change and become moral and then you get in. You come in poor in spirit. You come in as a sinner. And you embrace Jesus Christ. And that's when he begins to change your life by grace alone, through the Spirit alone. Have you for a long time been living with anger and hostility? Maybe hating someone. Could be your own wife, your dad or mom. You like gossip. You like speaking hurtful words to people or about people. That's not what kingdom life is like anymore. And it's only those who genuinely embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, know the joy of forgiveness, experience the richness of being born again. That changes. The anger leaves and the love comes in. Even love for our enemy. So Jesus said, even love those who hurt you. And when you love them, who knows? They may repent and also become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. It is striking that Jesus Christ adds that only a few will find this, this narrow gate and enter it and take that narrow road. Only a few. Now, that cannot mean that the, the number of people who enter the kingdom of heaven and eventually get into the new heaven and new earth is a very small number. Because we know from the book of Revelation that there's a multitude that no man can number that will stand on Zion that's in the new heaven and new earth. So what did Jesus mean? That there's lots on the wide road and only a few on the narrow road. Most, most commentators just say we're stumped. We don't know how to explain this. And while I, I don't pretend to be smarter than most commentators, I do think that this is simply the way our Lord Jesus Christ speaks in the Sermon on the Mount, speaks in his parables. He makes these beautiful statements that underline a point that makes everything clear. That wide, easy road, almost everybody likes being on it. You follow the dictates of your own broken and sinful heart. Nobody judges you. You do what you want. But to enter that narrow gate, oh man, that's so hard. I've got to confess my sins. I've got to take this flying leap to my Lord Jesus Christ. That's not something that's easily seen or, or that easily happens. Few seem to do it. And yet they do by the grace of God. Entering that door, as difficult and hard as it is, is to take a flying leap at grace, a flying leap at our Lord Jesus Christ, and say, you are my Lord and my Savior. And you know, the, the beautiful thing is, our Lord Jesus Christ, who, who had that uncanny knack of always being able to put his finger on what was not right in a person's life, like the rich young ruler or the Samaritan woman, he also has this uncanny knack of always sensing when someone is broken in spirit, has a contrite heart, and so desperately wants something better. As he says, I will never crush a bruised reed. I will never snuff out a smoldering wick. He said, come to me, all who are weary and, and, and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. It is a genuine, well-meant gospel offer. 
to anyone who is brokenhearted, there is that clear calling. Jesus Christ, believe in him. Hold on to him. You will be saved. Just believe. You know, Jesus once said that to somebody. He said, what do I do? He said, just believe. Everything else is going to come from that. Just believe in me as Lord and Savior. And that brings us to some concluding remarks about this spacious narrowness that we were talking about. I hope it's crystal clear from uh, what we've been saying in our sermon that nobody enters the kingdom of God because they deserve it or they are good. And that's also clear that, that the Bible, Old Testament, now our Lord Jesus Christ, clearly puts before us two possibilities and a choice you have to make, life or death, the wide easy way or the narrow way, the way that leads to destruction or the way that leads to life. So choose life. Choose. Believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that brings us into what I would call a spacious narrowness. You know, the wide, easy way seems like there's all kinds of room. You can think what you want. You can do what you want. But really, that wide, open easiness is very narrow, very constrictive. I mean, we, we watch our society. We watch people getting married. And basically, you can tell them, you know, within 10 years, you got a 50% chance of getting divorced. Well, hallelujah, what a beautiful life that is, right? Not. We live in a broken world that murders unborn babies, that euthanizes elderly people. We see violence. We see ex uh, uh, sexual immorality. It's a broken world. And it squeezes the very joy out of living. And eventually it's going to squeeze right down to the fires of hell. This is not wide. It's not really easy. There is no joy. There's no hope. How different it is when we go through that narrow opening where we embrace Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And living in his kingdom. When a young man, a young woman, they, they fall in love. They both believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They know as they get married, the Lord will bless them until death do them part. It will be a beautiful life. A life where they love one another, help each other, serve the Lord, and raise children in the fear of His name. Life in the kingdom of heaven is holy, it's beautiful, it's building up relationships. And you know what's the best relationship of all? You know the, the one person that we're going to meet in the kingdom of heaven that's going to take our breath away? It's God. We meet the almighty, eternal God in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Sermon on the Mount, in the prayer, Jesus says, you know what? You address God as our Father. Every Jew that heard that, they would go gasp. You don't, you don't call God Father? Yes, you do, says Jesus. He's your Father. You can go to every day and talk to Him. He'll listen and He'll talk back to you and He'll be with you and guide you. In the kingdom of heaven, we walk with God. In fact, God the Holy Spirit is in our hearts. Becomes, becomes one with our character and our personality that we're able to live to the praise and glory of God. So this narrow way is very spacious. It's actually wide open. It's living life the way that we want it to be. And it will lead into a new heaven and a new earth. 
Well, that's it. We come to the conclusion. We come to the nub. Our Lord Jesus Christ has shown us the kingdom of heaven. And he says, I put before you life and death. What will you choose? I am the way and the truth and the life to God. I am the door. Open it. Come to me in faith, and I will give you the world. Amen.